Grand Moth Tarkin. I am honored by your visit. Oh, calm down. Whoa. Welcome to Grand Moff Talking, your home for delicately curated, long form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars franchise, brought to you lovingly in weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your hosts, Riley. That's me. Jake. That's me. And Isaac. Xbox. That's him. What did you say? So, uh, he said Xbox, I think. I. Okay. Microsoft, official sponsor of the podcast. Um, Boy, we wish. So here we are for- I've got a Zune. How about you? <laughs> I wish right. I had a Zune, honestly. I miss them. Like Peter Quill does at the end. Oh, you guys. <laughs> oh, spoilers. He has a Zune. It's actually, yeah. <laughs> guys, spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy Come on and Zune. Come on and Zune. I would say if that ruins your experience of the movie, you weren't going to like it to begin with. <laughs> I think I'm going to like it. Yeah. So this week we're talking about- a little movie came out in 2005. It's called Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> it's the third Star Wars movie That's in the true. franchise. You're doing a good job so far. Um, so let's very briefly talk about the first time we saw these because we know everybody loves that. Uh, I saw this one again at midnight, opening night. I loved it in theaters. That's kind of my theme. I love these all in theaters, and then when How I interesting, yeah, and then I don't love them later. They're just all... like your wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because she's always here in the room judging us. Yeah, on that's, the podcast. Why, that's why it's so funny. Thank you, <laughs> Jake. What's your experience of seeing Revenge of the Sith? You know what? Like, I don't know how this happened. You know what was happening was I, I still am in oh, middle school when this movie came out. I was at the whims of my parents because I didn't have a car and we didn't live close to a movie theater. You had whimsy parents? <laughs> we went on whimsical adventures and they didn't want a dark, somber movie. So I'm at the whims of my whimsical parents and basically they're just like, they didn't care about Star Wars anymore. They're just like, I don't really care to see it. And I was like, I want to see it more than anything in the world. And they were like, we'll see it like in a couple weeks. So as a kid, if you're a Star Wars fan, that's like heart-wrenching because all of your friends have seen it and are mm, talking about yeah. it. I saw it like two weeks after it came out. And I... So you didn't get to see it in the big theater. You had to see it like in the back theater. They no, saved for yeah. like movies that have been out for three weeks. Yeah. And uh, so it wasn't as like exciting in the theater. And it's a noticeably somber movie. So I remember walking out thinking, I don't know what to think of that for the first time ever in a Star Wars movie. I remember liking it, but thinking I was sad. I remember being bummed out, like not like pumped, but like sad. I'll say like a few more times just to get out of my system. I like it. So, me personally, you know, it's funny you say that. That, honestly... We're all laughing a lot. We we kind of bring the same thing to this podcast, so I think one of us should probably die. So <laughs> It'll a, be me. I have a lot get of a different problems. Once the, the Patreon show. campaign gets going, like, we won't have to split the money, because... Am I right? No one but, would ever willingly donate money to this terrible show. <laughs> I think my mom would. <laughs> <laughs> That's sadder than an anonymous <laughs> listener. I disagree. <laughs> but, yeah, I got to see Revenge of the Sith, the... Uh, the sun, the last day of the weekend is out. So on Sunday, um, me and my mom went. Like uh, dad and Ooh. little sister dropped us off. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> but yeah, so they he dropped us off, and so we like we were the only like we we only two family members that really cared about Star Wars at that point. So yeah, we got dropped off, saw it there, and I was kind of like you, Jake, where I was like getting really bummed out watching this movie. Like I yeah. actually I had to take a break. 
like I had to go to the bathroom and just like collect myself. Really? When it was after uh, the Order 66 montage, when Obi-Wan gets in, like he is uh, talking to Bale on his Starfighter. Like that's a moment where like, I just got to go right now. I got to... You and, had to go pee. That's, yeah, I had to go pee. Yeah. I had to compose myself because, yeah, I was getting, like, really bummed out. And at the end of it, I didn't know what I thought of the movie. Like, I wasn't yeah. I wasn't even completely sure I liked the movie. Like, it was just such a heavy, heavy movie. And I I mean, I, I, I like the movie now, but to this day, it is de- absolutely the heaviest of the Star Wars movies. It's true. I And can I circle back? Speaking of pee, I talked about how I didn't remember seeing The Phantom Menace in theaters, but I remembered last week that... I do. It's one of my first, like, really strong memories of – I was in the theater, and immediately when the movie started, I had to pee really bad. But it was Star Wars. I was seeing it for the first time. I'm not going to go to – by the end of the movie, I thought I was I had permanently damaged something. <laughs> I, it was horrible pain. It, it, was, it was awful. Like, I could barely walk because I'd been holding it for, like, you know, like two hours and 15 minutes or whatever when I, I already needed to go, like, emergency bad at the beginning of the movie. Don't be like me, guys. That was that is my memory of seeing that movie. Um, I'm sorry. So that was not about Revenge of the Sith, which, yeah, it's it's a movie that I like now. If we're gonna get our consensus on the movie, it's a movie that I love. I love this movie. I but it's not one that I can just pop in and watch because it's so like it hinges so heavily upon the journey that's been established by the two previous movies. Mm-hmm. It's like if you just popped in Return of the King for no reason. It's a little bit much to take in without having the context. And it ends so somberly that you you want to watch another one to kind of pick yourself back up mm-hmm. afterwards. It's like so, the cheesecake of Star Wars movies where it's like, yeah. it's, it's really heavy. You got to be in the mood for it. It sounds fantastic at the time, but you don't want to have a second piece. I um, have a disclaimer. Okay. After last week's disclaimer where I said I was going to be more positive and less negative. And in real world time, this is in the span of like a few <laughs> minutes because we just recorded the last episode. Okay, but what changed is that I watched Revenge of the Sith today. <laughs> oh, no. I have never had, like, I don't know if I'm just in a bad mood. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I've never had a worse movie watching experience in my life than watching this movie today. I hated it so much. <laughs> wow. I'm just going to, I'm just going to get that out of the sudden. way. I know, wow. I'm going to get that out of the way. I... I could not think like I thought I wrote like a few things that I liked about this movie and I could not Good think about Lord. much. So I don't have a whole lot to say this episode because I'm trying to be a nice, positive, decent human being. And I can't do that when I watch Revenge of the Sith. Oh, my. Oh my. So I <laughs> it's so crazy. This is guys. This is why we make a great podcast. So you guys when can I just watch make fun it, of me and tell me why I'm bad? Yes. Is that why? It's this whole podcast will be a roast, yeah, basically, basically of you. And of Anakin's yeah, body. Like but we, Whoa! <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't watch this movie like in preparation for the podcast, but I probably saw it two weeks ago, so I'm fine. So, I can't think of much bad to say about it. <sighs> really. Like, I honestly watched it, I was like, I think I like almost 100% of it. Now, that's there's two big exceptions. There's things that I don't like, and we'll get to that. Um, but I like... Most of the movie, like the the kind of plot and storytelling issues that I had with some of the other movies, I don't I don't have with this one. This one holds together pretty solidly for me. I it, it, have we talked about how we like Star Wars in this show? Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't think Riley likes it. I'm just so I'm just so down now. I was excited to talk about. Something you're our host for the episode. I know. You're, oh, you're gonna be right. like this. I gotta talk about this. Okay. <laughs> I'm worried about the direction of this episode personally. Right, well, I'm worried about the direction of this movie. So we're gonna talk Whoa. about the opening Whoa. because Whoa. I do love the beginning of this 
the the title crawl is great. That's finally, the beginning that you like. Finally, we oh, got man. some war in our stars, and that's the very first word. It's just war with an exclamation point. I like it. That's true. So your enjoyment of the movie starts after the first <laughs> yep. punctuation of yeah. the movie, and then it goes downhill from there. <laughs> There's an exclamation point, and then terror for the rest of the time. <laughs> yes. Mm. Um. So it starts with this long shot. CGI yeah, shot of and, and it's pretty cool. I like it's when cool. lot I like when lots of things are going on in small doses, and this is a small enough dose that this is a pretty cool scene. I love space battles. Yeah, that's a that's a big part of Star Wars for me, and I like this is a fun space battle. I like it. It's good. This is, has a lot of banter too that I like. It's got a yeah. lot of interplay between Anakin and Obi Wan. That's when Hayden Christensen is at his best. So yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, I like the especially yeah like the very beginning when they drop into the battle like you see them they're, they're just kind of like flying about and then they, they officially like do like the drop-in thing yeah and like it's awesome you go from being like in space with a few ships to being in the thick of the battle in the middle of that is what i like and you know this is the thing that like your red letter media of the world would complain about is you know the battle is almost incomprehensible like when you're watching you're like what is happening it's like the end of attack of the clones where there's this big battle and you don't know what's going on but that's what war is like and so i that's an aspect that i enjoy about it is that you're dropping in this thing is like i don't even know what's happening i just know that these are the good guys and there's bad guys yeah, we only care about anakin and obi-wan in this scenario so everything else is just window dressing riley doesn't care about them so he doesn't uh, like this movie i i my big point my big note from this is that ewan is on point He's great in this movie. He's really, he's really good in this really movie. Really good. It's his best performance as Obi Wan. What is what added a lot to this scene watching it today for me is after watching the Clone Wars cartoon. Mm. Anakin's decision to go help the clones makes a lot more sense because you don't see much of the clones if you're just watching the movies and you're thinking Anakin. I know they're like trying to make a point that he'll he's still got some good in him. He mm. wants to save these clones, but yeah. it doesn't really hit home. Unless you watch the Clone Wars episodes and you realize he does care about these people. Which and, came out after this movie came yeah, out. Yeah. 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 But it, it added to me. It added. It didn't add to me. It added to the scene <laughs> for me. What's that extra arm you got there, Riley? <laughs> it's a clone he's, arm. He's becoming Dex slowly but surely. A clone arm. So this, uh, this is another thing where it's like I, I think – people would discount this cool opening sh single like this oneer that they do because it's cgi but to me that almost makes it more impressive that you have to control every single aspect of everything that's happening in the frame is like insane like the amount of detail in this scene and the fact that it's just like compelling and it's exciting to watch because there's a lot of scenes in star wars where there's a lot of detail but there's not a lot happening in the foreground there's, this is a moment where all of this detail in the background really works because you also care about what's happening in the foreground, and the action in the foreground is fun and kind of electric in and of itself. I like um, I like the choice to have this happen over Coruscant. Yeah. Because I've, I thought about that. I've always thought, how can people just go along with Palpatine and be okay that he's turning their republic into an empire and taking complete control. How how are they okay with that? Because they Coruscant has been so separated from the war up until this point, and I like the choice that oh, all of a sudden war is right here on top of all these senators. Their their chancellor has been kidnapped. It's right on it's right on their doorstep now. So it makes more sense that they would go along with his plan to create an empire and not fight it as much as they should. Yeah, yeah like they can look at, look up in the sky and right. see this battle yeah. happening. A little sidebar too. I really like the uh, the Tartakovsky like lead in to the Battle of Coruscant 
in the original Clone War cartoon. You guys remember that? No, I don't remember it. I don't remember. I've seen it. I don't remember it. And the Tartakovsky. Um, it, first of all, it gives like a like an ending universe explanation as to why Grievous has the cough because Mace Windu like mm, chokes yeah. his uh little red box. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I don't. That's neat. I don't yeah. Know yeah. He's like running away, trying to escape, and Mace Your can't stop him. He joke. just sort of yeah. crushes him, which yeah. is kind of dark for it, a Jedi to do. Yeah, yeah. And there is like this. There's a team of Jedi that are. Uh, they're going to like retreat. I I'm kind of fuzzy now on the details of what goes on. But it was like a team of Jedi that were sent to like rescue the Chancellor and stuff like that. But yeah, it gives like it's the the end of that the Tartakovsky Clone War is literally like I mean it's like Anakin and Obi Wan flying. I mean it's it's it leads perfectly into Revenge of the Sith. I gotta check that out. It's um is a cool Thorian who like yells really loud. Doesn't even use the oh force. yeah that's Remember his power that? like yeah, yeah like really he does cool. like this throat scream. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, who does? There's an authorian, the hammerhead looking oh, aliens. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, they have like two mouths. Master. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. That yeah. is really cool. This whole opening scene is crazy because it feels like a little mini movie. And apparently it was much longer in the original cut. They, they talk about this a lot in the, the uh, director's commentary, rather. If we're going to take a minute to talk about the Revenge of the Sith novel. Oh, the... we can can I, do that. Can I recommend... Read the book. Don't watch the movie. Wow. <laughs> Can I recommend that? This is that? the only, perhaps, <laughs> the only case in Star Wars where the book is better than the movie. You said, it actually yeah, is. You I were agree. saying a movie within a movie because if you guys remember, the first third of that book is up to them yeah. landing on Coruscant. It's great. It's a, it's a lot. The, book. the first lightsaber duel is like 30 pages long, <laughs> if I recall right. Yeah, because it's the way that he writes that lightsaber matthew cool. stover please come on the show matthew stover <laughs> please <laughs> a awesome writer please come on the show the he does this really cool thing where if you are kind of unsure on dooku as a character in the movies and you're a fan of these movies and you haven't read the book read that book because he gets into his head what his entire thought process his entire strategy as this fight is happening and he manages to make this fight exciting and dynamic while also having this psychological aspect of what all the different characters are like strategizing in their head but it's mostly all told from dooku's point of view i remember yeah when uh when anakin finally defeats him like we are we're inside of dooku's head like you said for the uh the final thing of like where palpatine's like kill him kill him now yeah and and then just like dooku like you see in the movie of course like he has a shocked look on his face but we get to hear his inner monologue oh, when palpatine says this it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. It's the way great. he does this is, is so good because you the, he writes him very, you know, cocky in the book. He, and he just – he is, like, the sweetest, baddest dude in the galaxy. And he's got this all figured out. He knows exactly the little charade he's going to put on because he, know, he knows yeah. it's part of the plan for Obi-Wan to go down and for Anakin to be in a position where he could win, basically, because he wants – he knows that Palpatine wants him to be tempted. Right. He does not know the part where he's actually going to die. So oh, you, as you slowly see him realize it, it's oh, it's so well. And his also, hands are gone. <laughs> I was gonna say, also like that is like the the way he wrote lightsaber doing like this. Honestly, like Matthew Stover is like the only person who can write action in a book that I like. I mean, that that Makes that's my hot take. That's a strong because I don't yeah. like action in my books. I actually kind of like this is once again a different discussion. But I kind of enjoy the, the direction the new canon is taking as far as the novels go where it's kind of staying out of the lane of like the hardcore action of like a Star Wars movie. That's true. I feel like it's 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 really just kind of hard to visualize action without seeing it. Like it's you can, your brain's too small. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> because outside of like the pew pew realm realm like it's 
That's about as good as I can do. So it's probably just a me problem. But I like um, no, I, I agree with you. the way he also he wrote that lightsaber duel towards the end. We're going back inside of Dooku's head, and Dooku is starting to realize the way this duel is going. He's like, Palpatine should have en ended this by now. He, yeah. he said he was going to end it when it was like obvious that Anakin was winning this, but he's not. And so there's still a lightsaber duel going on, but Dooku is starting to freak out right now because he realizes Palpatine's not going to stop this, and Anakin's just growing in power. Listeners who complain about us not talking about Star Wars enough, we're deep in the weeds on a novelization of Star Wars. We're talking so about Star Wars. I can't wait to down. talk about it's more our, novels. Yeah. You hear that? That's my uh, real fan stamp of approval for this episode. <laughs> on that note, I get irritated in the movie that Dooku for not saying something. Like, like I know he's hey, shocked. Don't, don't but say something. my head off. You got a lot of time to say something. What if he was like, hey, buddy. I'm your friend, man. Don't chop my hands <laughs> what if off, it just really? What if it just really hurt? Like when he got his hands chopped off and he couldn't talk. Like, ow, what? But he's got—he's got time. He's like looking back and forth between Palpatine and Anakin, and he would, like, he would have time to say, "Whoa, wait, let me tell you something about this, this fool." Yeah, in the that's chair. true. He could have. Well, I think because what's what's happening is he's like, maybe this is. He knows that Palpatine, because what happened? What's gonna happen if Anakin lets him live? Sidious is gonna kill him anyway. He's immediately dead the second he talks Anakin out of killing mm -hmm. him. So that's he's lost from every possible dynamic. He's lost in the movie. You don't get any of that internal monologue. You just get a you skill cool look. This okay. The CGI in this movie holds up really well. I think the moment that does not and is noticeably really weird for R2? me. R two. No, what? Okay. Get your head out of the trash can. The R two trash can. The R two doesn't look good when he's CG in this movie. I actually didn't ever really notice it. Okay. But my brain is also small. I did. What I was going to say is there's this weird thing where, like, is, is it Dooku? He he pushes the knocked-over staircase over oh, yeah. Obi-Wan's oh, yeah, body. That, that, that's not good. Yeah. It looks I, really weird. I love Star Wars so much, but I will concede that was so weird because, like, like the the way my human brain works is I can't see how his legs weren't chopped off in that moment. The, the, it makes no the big problem sense. with early CGI in, in movies like that, which this isn't early, but it's it's still relatively early, is they they did not know how to do physics in a convincing manner. It's hard they didn't to have show the Unreal Engine. Going it, on yeah, his body hard, got pushed like I'm pushing this glass. It's right hard now. to show weight with early CGI and things like that. So like when you when you when you apply those CGI elements to a real physical thing, it, it makes it look weird because they don't know how to handle it. It looks weight. like they they tied a string to a brown paper bag and like tugged it across <laughs> yeah. the ground. Like yeah. that's what it looks like. It doesn't look like it's a like, person got drunk. Yeah, so right. like you said, like at the, that's kind of just like of its time. So you, I feel like you can dismiss that away as kind of like seeing like the the little black screen above Superman while he's flying. Oh, it's fine. It's it, it doesn't like this. I, but it definitely it, Star it's, Wars is now unrealistic, and I can't enjoy an the movie. <laughs> hey, and while we're talking about it. They can hear sounds in space. What is this in my Star Wars If we're going to talk about sounds in space, I talked about this on an earlier episode. The sound of the invisible hand, Grievous's flagship, is so cool. Like, I don't know why I love it so much, but you only get, like, a little snippet of it. It's like... Like a little diesel engine. It's a cool sound. Mm -hmm. I like the sound of the uh, droids loading in the, like, cannons. Yeah, cannonballs. They're not cannonballs. They're like I didn't. Cannon re I didn't remember barrels. much of it, like a ship battle when I watched it this time. That was kind of cool. It's seeing, the, seeing the two ships. Go it's at like each I other. mean, they make Grievous like a pirate, and they make the ship like a pirate ship. Yeah, 
I'll say I like a lot of the first 20, 25 minutes of this movie. And that's where it kind of loses me after that. But I like a lot of the stuff happening it's in the beginning. It's so frenetic and fun. Like, I just love the stuff in the elevator and the ship turning on its side and they're all sliding down it. And the, all the stuff with R2 is a lot of fun. It's just, it feels... What's weird about these prequel movies is they start to feel more and more like the original trilogy with every film. Like, Phantom Menace is very, like, dry and kind of, you know, unique and, and insular... And then there's a lot more, like, banter and fun, crowd-pleasing moments in Attack of the Clones. And this opening scene, like, wouldn't feel out of place in the original trilogy at all to me. It, it's very classic Star Wars. I'm a fan of all Star Wars, but it's a thing I've noticed in rewatching these movies. When uh, they land on that planet in that, that little, like, uh, like air traffic control tower all that falls they, they, they take slowly. down. Yeah, I don't know. Cool. I like that effect. It's cool. Yeah. It was cool. So my next note's in order, though. If we're still on the, if we're still on the ship, Kalish sure. are cool which is what Grievous is, or used to be. Now he's mostly oh. robot, but his species is a Kalish, and they so, have that they have that mask thing. that They wear those anyway. Oh. That's that's not part of the robot design. That's part of what his okay. species is. So I'm not a real fan, so yeah. I don't know this. So you're saying that, that their species wears that mask already? Yes. That's weird. Yeah. Is that I mean, part of their biology or just I, like... I'm not sure if it's like actually bone or what exactly it is. It might. But, be, it looks like. Bone. Yeah, it might be bone. I, but it's it's definitely. If you look at pictures of Kalish, not not robot ones, they all have that. That's so weird because I thought the whole point because there's this moment later when you know it's him and Obi Wan fighting that they zoom in really close in his eyes and you can see this flesh. You can beneath see. It. Yeah, there's there's and flesh thought, behind it. Yeah. I thought the whole point was that it was like showing how cybernetic he had become because he's almost like a parallel to Darth Vader, right? Like he mm -hmm. is this yeah, creature who the, has the Vader, the heavy breath, and he's kind of you know more machine than Kalish now and all that sort of stuff like so that's interesting I'll have to look up a picture so what part of him is cybernetic like his arms his legs yeah pretty much stuff. everything but his head and yeah. organs are cybernetic um after that I wrote nothing makes sense and then read the book <laughs> <laughs> oh no that's that's you're already done that's a bummer yeah, that's it. and this is where the movie oh after that I wrote you and killing it so you know he is killing oh, yeah. it again I write that several he times the whole happy landing thing is a lot of fun too. Yeah. yeah, another happy landing. I think that's where I wrote he's killing it when yeah. he said another maybe, happy landing. Maybe this is me projecting onto people because I feel like I hold this opinion, but I feel like a lot of people when they talk about what they feel is the good acting in the prequels when they point to Ewan McGregor and Ian McDermott, I feel like they're pointing to the, their performances in this movie specifically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're very, they're very yeah. good in this movie. Yeah, I think that they're particularly. Um, you know what? They're they're all good in, in in all the movies, but they're given the most yes. dramatic stuff to do. I mean, all the actors yeah. are. All the actors are given the meatiest stuff in this movie, and like they just they crush it. Yeah. Ewan and old yeah, because yeah. yeah. those two don't have much to do in episode one. Right. Episode mm -hmm. two, they've got a little more to do, but then this this one is where they both really get to let loose. I was and... gonna say, I remember like that's that may have been a deliberate choice because I remember it was one of the uh, behind the scenes maybe documentaries in a. Uh, on the prequel DVDs, I think it was on episode two or episode three, maybe where they talked about how they would, they purposely introduce characters sometimes to just kind of get us acclimated to them. And then they would give, give more of us to them in the next movie. They said they did that deliberately with uh, like Jimmy Smith's in uh, episode two. And we got more him in episode three. They did that with Samuel L. Jackson in episode one. So we got a bigger dose of Mace Windu in episode two. 
And so we would kind of like be gradually introduced to a character that maybe wasn't Anakin, wasn't the central point in the story. Mm-hmm. Seems like it'd be a good idea to make them interesting from the start, but that's just a criticism. <laughs> oh for no! Me. Now, <laughs> now who's negative? We're talking about like acting. Listen, I'm trying to be balanced <laughs> yeah, here. Talking acting though, um, I think I heard that the uh, the opera scene was oh. the longest scene of dialogue in all of Star Wars. I believe it. That's true. I which, think it has to be true. Right? Which it's that that speaks to the strength of like. Star Wars is known for the pew pews and the lightsabers, but the scene from the the prequel trilogy that I think that people go back to the most as a strong point is the longest scene of dialogue in any yeah. Star Wars movie. That's that's interesting. That's that's true. Should we just talk about that scene since we since you brought it up? Yeah, let's yeah. talk about that scene now. It's a good scene. It's I like I like that. I forgot. I like that. Scene. Okay, yeah, that's that's a tough one to criticize too yeah. much. But that like that is. Um, we should do an episode where we kind of rank moments or things like that. But like that. The opera scene, it might be a top five moment for me. It is so good. It makes Anakin's downfall work. Like, Ian McGurk's performance is so good that you believe that Anakin would turn the dark side. Like, that's how good he is in that scene. Can I, yeah. I, like, I, I've mentioned before how, like, Palpatine's plot is my favorite element of the prequel trilogy, possibly Star Wars as a whole. And he was so good at what he did, or at least the way. Like it, it was written in the movie where when you really start to get into the weeds thinking about what Palpatine did and like the way he talked, like he really was like such a, a devil in this movie, how he he got you to think like maybe like I am on the wrong side. It's obvious that he is wrong, but it's like the other side's right. not right either. So like, where do you go? And that's kind of what he did to Anakin it was like, if even if Anakin was thinking both sides are wrong, only one side has the power to save my wife. And that's right. the only thing I care about. It's a really well-constructed scene, and it's a really, like, the way it's shot, the lighting in it, I find really intriguing. Like, there's this glowy, kind of, like, dream-like haze. It's one of the better scenes in all the Star Wars movies. The only thing that I don't like about it has nothing to do with the scene itself. It has to do with motivation. Mm. I wish that we could have gotten the movie where Palpatine appeals to Anakin's lust for power, more than wanting to save um, um, Padme from death, because I I want I would like Anakin to want to have that power to end the war to save people he cares about. It's just the fact that he's like, well, I can. It's kind of handy that it's it, they go it hand makes, in hand to me though. Well, it makes like, Anakin seem really dumb though that this well, guy says, oh, I, I, he's had the power to save people he cared about. But that's power. Not from. So what to say? That's like the yeah, ultimate power. Exactly. Like controlling life is ultimate power. I guess. To me, the I'm ultimate power like... is just being a good friend. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> also, the, the death of women in in these prequels seem to be a huge motivating factor for Anakin, and I don't like that's that. That's unfortunate. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, you're bumming me. And out I wish I wish that it was just a more generic power that Anakin wishes he had. Yeah, it's interesting because that's kind of not what he is seemingly after in any of these movies. I think that he does want power like yeah that moment in episode two where he's like where she says you know this is how democracy works people don't get along and he says well they should be made to you can tell there's 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 this thing in him where he wants to have more power and i mean but it all you're right it is all motivated from women in his life dying, dying or potentially dying yeah. and that's a little bit of yeah, a by the time we get to sad. episode three that is like anakin states that to the audience, like the only thing he cares about is saving Padme. Right. It's like the 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 power thing is completely secondary. Like he he 
the only reason he wants that power is to save Padme. Like, he mm-hmm. could care less. Like, if he had to give up all of his power to save Padme, he may have done that, too. It's like he had a singular focus at that point. He sort of changes his tune at the very end when he chokes her and he said he talks to her about wanting power to rule the galaxy to, to right. protect everyone. He sort of changes his focus there. But don't do, like your, don't do your little ring thing that you're no, doing No, I'm there. doing this ring because I'm thinking about... I don't know why I'm doing the ring, honestly. The novel talked about how Palpatine also was dropping hints at Anakin that there was something going on between Obi-Wan and Padme. Yeah. And that's like kind of like... explore it too much in the That's movie, like a yeah. victim of the editing process where that may have been explored in the movie also yeah. or in the script. And so if that element had been there then Anakin choking Padme would have been a result maybe of him seeing Obi-Wan. He's like, yeah. you brought him here and you guys are are together. And- I wonder if that would have been convincing, though, because it's not established in the previous two movies. Right. So it might not have really rung true. Like, I can see if, that, if something's going to get the axe. You don't need that extra. But I don't know. What Do you, what do, you do you think it would have been better if they would have had that element to it? I, without seeing it in the context of the movie, I don't know. And I honestly don't remember that part of the novel too much. It was something that I think it was literally like even Palpatine almost used it as a throwaway. He didn't, he, he didn't seem too serious or committed to that. It's almost like he knew that that was just something that was going to add fuel to the fire. He knew that it was Anakin's desire to save Padme. That was the ultimate thing. Yeah. And so I don't know if it honestly would have added. It would have been a cool little wrinkle maybe. But it would have been kind of hard to shoehorn in because I feel like also Revenge of the Sith is a, a very heavily edited movie where huh. like there's for me, it's still like a very busy movie. If it's one thing that like that detracted from the experience for me, like to this day, Revenge of the Sith, it's it's a very it's so busy. There's just so much going on, which is it kind of happens by necessity. But still, like the the amount of plants we go to, which it, it's cool to see all these places, but it does. It's like. We don't have time to catch our breath, and that doesn't really help in a movie that's so heavy in tone anyway. So here's a question. What is Grievous doing in this movie? Like, what is Nothing. He yeah. does nothing. He's What's the, the worst. He's symbolism. He's the worst general. He's the worst. How did he get <laughs> <General>! in power? <laughs> how, how did he get his position? Isaac just did a perfect reenactment <laughs> of uh, Snoke saying general and standing up. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I obviously, I'm sure that people can explain to us why... He's in the movie. But I'm saying, to Isaac's point, which I don't know if I agree with or not, because I think that this is a pretty well-paced movie. Um, there is a lot going on, and it is interesting. Why focus on this character who we've not been introduced to before and Obi-Wan's pursuit of him? I guess because, like, what would have been different about this movie? What would have been different if Grievous had died on the invisible hand. Nothing. Yeah. I don't think anything would have been different. I mean, I it would have you wouldn't have had something for Obi-Wan to do, I guess, it's, but that's about it. It's kind of a flaw in all the prequels because you get Darth Maul in the first one, real cool, dies. You yeah. get Dooku in in part of the second one, and then he dies immediately in episode three. And right. then you get Grievous. So you're constantly introducing these new villains. It would have been cooler if if we had been able to stick with somebody. Yeah, we, we needed to separate Obi-Wan and Anakin in Revenge of the Sith and a, a threat large enough to get Obi-Wan away from Anakin, Why I guess, was just necessitated. Why could he just kind of like stay at home and watch TV for a day? I guess what I'm trying to say is this movie has some problems. Yeah. But you said I it was think... perfect earlier. No, no, no. I don't think it's... Like I said, there's there's problems with it. I have problems with it. The Grievous thing is one of them because I think it's a lot of fun. Like, Obi-Wan's... The, the moment that I like a lot... Maybe my favorite Obi-Wan moment in this movie is when he just drops in 
like a little son of a gun. Hello the there. Group. Hello there. Hello there. I love it because Obi-Wan, we forget sometimes, he was a Padawan who was thrown into this position. And he's still kind of immature, I think. And whenever he goes off on these little adventures by himself, uh, like Obi-Wan kind of comes out of his shell. Mm-hmm. And he starts to get a little more reckless and do crazy stuff. Playful. A little more playful. Like, he's kind of plays dress up going to Camino, and, you know, all these little... He goes to see his weird friend at the bar. He's he's kind of a a roguish character in these movies, and there's these little moments where... Was he the one rogue character in Revenge of the Sith? <laughs> <laughs> see, I don't think of him as immature in this one. I definitely immature, do in... it's, like, brash. I Yes, I think he's always brash, but then I think Alec Guinness was kind of brash in the way he acted, too. That's what makes it cool. And, and I think that's just... Yeah, I think he's... I, I feel like he's finally grown up in this movie. He seems more grown up. I think there's still a little bit of that, you know, like, just there's this playful side of him that comes mm-hmm. out that I really like that, you know, like, Qui-Gon didn't necessarily have i mean he likes to gamble apparently but he didn't you know <laughs> and he wasn't like a fun loving risk little kids lives you know what but... he was a chill bro Qui-Gon was. <laughs> so we talked about things that we don't like riley doesn't like anything in the mm. whole world because he's a huge no you know what <laughs> i would like to clarify i'm i like star wars and i like a lot of star wars i don't wars. know if we've talked about it Do i we don't all like star wars Should like on the table? this movie yeah so it's not acceptable. i just don't like this movie you're not a real fan yeah i know well so the things that i don't like now that i just said that we were talking, me and Riley, before the, the podcast started, and he was telling me all this, this sob story of him watching this movie. He didn't like, really <laughs> complain about it, making a big show. But he, <laughs> but we agreed on something. I think that Hayden Christensen's performance is worse in this movie. I don't understand how that happens. Because he's given more to do that I think... I think that's how it happens. Material. <laughs> I oh, think that's how it happens. Burn, Hayden, literally. come on the show and rectify your relationship with Riley. By the way, please do, because, like, you know, even though I criticize his performance, see, I can skywalk. Yeah, Ooh. no, I'd talk to him. He's great. And I'll tell him to his, you know what, I'll say to his face. Our show is already handsome enough. Imagine <laughs> sticking that special He's chocolate chip. He's going to all three of us put together. Yeah, that's not a joke at all. The That's, that's the thing that doesn't quite work. For some reason, Anakin is a little more stilted in this movie than he was, even in the last one. There's a lot of stilted dialogue, but it's kind of under this uh, veneer, not a veneer, it's it's under this like device of him. He's a, kind of an immature teenager type character. He's a little awkward and hormonal, I think, in Attack of the Clones. In this one, he's supposed to be less like that. He's supposed to be, you know, from this opening scene where he's like super cool. He's, he's basically Jedi Master material, but he wasn't yeah. on the council, right? But he's even more stilted in this one. Let me give a quick hot take while we're on that subject. I get on your mitts. Yes, I. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't think necessarily that Matt Lanter's performance as Anakin Skywalker added to Hayden Christensen in Revenge of the Sith. I thought it was a good performance, but it just didn't match up necessarily for me. And I think that's. Good. That's true. Here's what Matt Lange did. Is he read the script and he said, "Here's how this character should act." Well, that's fine, but maybe he should have intentionally. Like, uh, I don't he know. Should have intentionally he he should have been worse. bad. Yes. No. That's crazy. no. Matt Lanter is great. It's, Where were we? It's tricky with this movie because it's hard to. What you realize about it is that there's this huge opening scene, mm-hmm. which is super fun and has very little to do with the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. There's this big middle section with Obi-Wan chasing Grievous, which is this really cool, fun thing that has very little to do with the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's all a very tiny bit of setup 
that has very little to do with the larger plot. Now, the important mm-hmm. thing about the opening is Anakin does an irreversible thing and is seduced, you know, once again by uh, Palpatine. But do to it. get there, there's a lot of time. Do it. There's a lot of time that's spent on it. And I, although I enjoy this movie a lot, there are fans that feel like they could have spent their time on a lot of other things. And it's hard to refute that complaint to me because it, but it's also like, George Lucas wanted to do this movie, mm-hmm. and so that's the one that I'm gonna watch. Yeah, I, I definitely agree on that front. I've I've always felt like it's when you get like a laundry list of this is the movie I would have made, this is the movie I would have made. Well, you only have two. Yeah. You once again, you only have two and a half hours, and if everyone got their say, it would be just a garbled mess. And so I kind of just appreciate what we do have. I think it, it's tricky because I think from a Star Wars fan perspective, the way you're criticizing a Star Wars movie is not the same as like a critical perspective. But a mistake that both make is going in with this is what the movie should be. Mm-hmm. A lot of critics make the mistake of they, they have a checklist of this is what I expected this movie. And if it doesn't deliver on that, then it's a failure. Instead mm-hmm. of going in like Roger Ebert, who is a, you know, a great reviewer, his whole thing was he evaluated a movie on what it was trying to be and how well it accomplished that. I think in terms of what this movie is trying to be and how well it accomplishes it, it's fantastic. I think that we've talked about the stilted dialogue. Some of that is intentional on Lucas's part. I think in particular in this movie, it's unfortunate in a lot of instances because it comes at a lot of the most emotional points. I don't know if you can say just because a movie accomplishes what it tried to do makes it fantastic. No, but no, that that's that's true because if a movie is trying to accomplish uh, being the movie The Human Centipede, then it's still a pile of steaming <laughs> yeah. garbage, right? It, 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 Which I've never seen, but it like accomplished its goal. Why would you ever? Mean, why yeah. would anybody ever see that movie? That right? goes to my Paul Blart Paul Blart Mall Cop theory. <laughs> Paul Blart Mall Cop is a perfect movie. Okay. Because it's exactly what it wanted to be. <laughs> okay, see, I don't agree with that. <laughs> yeah, the trench run you got some problems just, with, huh? Just because it, it accomplishes what it wants to do no. doesn't mean it's good. Okay, I wasn't done. So the thing okay, is, finish. it was trying to accomplish something, but it emotionally resonated with me a lot. Like, no matter what the little issues are. And I think that's, we're kind of struggling to get into, like, a conversation about any one particular plot point because there's not a lot of plot points. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of these big scenes followed by these little moments which are really impactful, which is kind of interesting. And I, I by the end of the movie though, I get it it affects me. I, I get really into it every time. I forgot how quickly things go south in this. I, watching it today, it seemed like about an hour in Anakin is is like going dark. Like about an hour in is when he finds out that Palpatine is the Sith Lord they've been looking for. Is that true? If that's what, if I remember right, I think it was about an hour, hour and fifteen Lord. minutes in. <laughs> we can talk about in it. Yeah, and then the rest of it is all you know stuff going downhill. I, that surprised me. I thought that yeah. all happened way more near the end. I I always thought like with Anakin's fall, it was almost like the like a Jenga thing. Where Palpatine is just kind of pulling the pieces out. He finally pulled the pieces that, like, it was going to be toppling at some point anyway. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, it's those little strings that are being pulled, and the Clone Wars helps that. Da, 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 da. This is what we should talk about. Does Anakin's fall to the dark side work? Does it Does it make sense? Does it? Because I think people have different feelings on this. I don't think that. I know that they do. <laughs> but they, I think it does, but I think it cuts it close. I think that it. It cuts it a little to your editing point, Isaac. I, th- I think that it 
shaves it a little too close to the bone sometimes as far as like they could have fleshed out his downfall in this movie a little bit more it doesn't it doesn't work for me yeah i don't think we had that's riley talking right now that's me yeah believe it or not (laughs) i'm the one who doesn't like this movie it it just doesn't work for me and i don't know why there's there's reasons that i've talked about as I don't know. You just don't like it the seems general like, like I like the entire impetus for it is, doesn't work for you. Like the whole no. thing you seem bothered by the idea that it's Padme's death that's that's freaking him out. I think th- I think yeah because what what we seem to get in these prequels is a, a good little kid mm-hmm. who maybe has um w- through some foreshadowing we see isn't going to turn out okay. But but in the first movie he's pretty much just a good kid. Right. The second movie, he's whiny and once more and is a teenager, pretty much. And then he does a bad thing. And it's like, I, I it seems like he, he switches between just wanting more and, and just being annoyed and not being happy to then doing bad things really quickly. He goes very quickly from telling Windu that he can't, you know, don't kill him. We need to put him on trial. He told Windu that he was this Sith Lord. They need to go capture and they need to get him. To very soon after that, killing a bunch of kids, yeah. and it it happens so quickly for me that it it just doesn't work. I don't think we it just doesn't work for me. That's just me though. I think it is only you that feels that way. I don't think yeah, I think you're right. Else express these opinions. <laughs> you know, it, it it's tough because one of the things that we talked about a, a little bit is like so if this is actually just episode three for you, you've only of the Star Wars. Saga, you've only seen episodes one, two, and now three. What does this movie mean to you? Like, what when you're watching this, what does it, what does it mean to you when this guy is put into a black suit? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think these what, movies don't work without the original trilogy. I, I, that's that's what I wonder. I I, I yeah. just I just don't know. Sometimes I think it does. Sometimes I think it works, and we only think it doesn't because we have the foreknowledge. Sometimes be... I wonder: is this character's journey compelling on its own? And I I I've, I feel conflicted on it. If you're listening and you started with the prequels and worked your way through, please come on the show. I would love to That's get the, I'd love to get the opinion of someone who's done it that way. We would totally have you on the show. We don't have a lot of people. Do I know anyone who door. hasn't seen them? I want to try this with someone. Yeah, hasn't seen any Star Wars. Yeah, movies? yeah. I don't. I can't think of it. And anything. it's unfortunate because my wife had not seen Star Wars before we were together, and so and it never it like it doesn't occur to me. To show somebody one two three four five six, like yeah. it's just really? automatic to show them no, four yeah. five six one two three. It's mm-hmm. like funny I'm with you. I think that for me, whatever reason, like these days when I watch Star Wars, I I like to watch it one through seven now. Oh know? yeah, yeah I, no, I, do I too, will I will do rewatch it that way, I, but I wouldn't show it to someone for the that first way. time. Yeah. I think as a social experiment, I would do it. <clears throat> On to another point. The one question I had, I've always wondered that watching this movie, when Mace Windu's like he's too dangerous to be kept alive and. Like, like, oh, do it, don't do it. When he goes to slash Palpatine, <laughs> I want... Like this? Yeah, yes. <laughs> a really bad defensive move, like he's exposing all of his organs for the first point. With a lightsaber, you can just go poke. Yeah, and also, I thought to myself, like, because they, they talk about, and once again, in the novelization of the movie, how this duel and Palpatine getting hit with the lightning, all any of this did was just make him stronger. And so, I feel like... It made Palpatine stronger? Yeah, yeah, like the... The pain, the hatred, all that stuff oh, that just yeah, made yeah. him stronger in the in the dark side of the force, and I feel like the tension of that, if that is true, the tension is kind of cut because I always assumed myself 
well, if Anakin doesn't like reach out and slash off uh, Mace Windu's hand, then I, f- I figure Palpatine would have killed Mace anyway. Oh, somehow. yeah, I think so, for sure. I think he was putting on a show. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that he was not really losing that battle. I don't know. Did This comes to the point, like, did he know? How much did Palpatine know? Did he know Anakin was about to show up right at that moment when he lost his lightsaber and was down on the ground? Like, how, how much does Palpatine know? I think that he can... I think Jedi can sense people's presence. Yeah, we're giving him a, like a lot of I power. I think it's a Jedi thing. Because the thing is, Mace Windu, his hand got to like, like I don't know, it, it got like halfway through away. the slash. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it's not like if Palpatine was going to do something, I feel like it would have been too late oh, by the time like, he figured out Anakin wasn't going to do something. Like, did he know that Mace was going to wind up and try and hit yeah, him. You guys it's are just right. Like, you guys it's are right. A little, I'm wrong. I'm a stupid little, piece of garbage. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I, it is. I don't know. I have mixed feelings on this because I think that it was my understanding. Maybe this is in the novelization. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've read it. So is Palpatine constantly hiding his true form? I don't like that. And when his lightning. I don't like any of this. I like see that's what I like. I like the idea that that's his true form. It's this deformed, gross-looking face, and that he's constantly like making it like a conscious effort to hide it, and then he finally just like who cares? But he doesn't look like that in Return of the Jedi. He doesn't have the weird all those weird lines. He just looks like an old guy, an old mm-hmm. pale guy in Return Deflated. of the Jedi. I always thought he looked pretty creepy in Return of the Jedi. He looks he creepy, not but just he just look looks like an old but thinner. Man. He, he looks creepy because he was he's bloated very white. in Revenge of the Sith. He has yeah. glowing I yellow eyes in Empire. I remember some of the production photos of uh, episode or like uh, publicity shots for Episode Three, and Palpatine is like super super bloated. Like his neck he, is yes, like enormous. He looks like a bullfrog. It's because he's got all kinds of like prosthetics. Yeah, and by Return of the Jedi, he does. He's like a shriveled up little raisin. He yeah, he started doing a diet. I don't like the thought that he was hiding it the whole time. I don't like the thought that the lightning changed his face. I just wanted him to be an old you just guy. You thought older he got it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I think because I'm such a like a visual fan of these movies, the there's something awesome about that transition to me. I really I really like it. It's like end of Raiders kind of. Mm-hmm. And I like that it's a little bit open to interpretation, that it's not spe- – Listeners, I'm sure, will let us know if it is specifically answered in some kind of canon, which it may be. Um, here's a question. When – I think I know the answer to this. During the production of this movie, animated shows take a long time to make. Mm-hmm. I have a sense that George Lucas knew he wanted to do a show for a while. Did he know in his head that Anakin had a Padawan – in this interim, did was that something? Do you think that was percolating in his head? In two thousand five, I went to Celebration, Indiana, and it's where he announced Ooh. the the Clone Wars cartoon. He announced it in two thousand five. In two thousand five is when the cartoon was announced, so it, it had probably really? been in production at the same time as Revenge of the Sith. That's pretty mm. cool. So now, so here's when did it start airing? When did the film come out? I don't think it. I don't think it's like came out in 2008. Yeah, eight. It, it was in production for a long time. So maybe it wasn't in production at that point. No, I don't I mean, know. Animation but takes forever, right? But it was announced, and knowing him, he probably had a script lying around with Ahsoka in it. And they were building possible. like this new kind of like technology to make this show. Yeah. So I'm sure that it was. So that's interesting. So he probably did have it in his head that mm-hmm. there was that's that's cool to me. Mm-hmm. I'm just you know it's one of those things that doesn't matter like because people complain about George contradicting himself. 
who cares? But I'm interested to know that. Like, I wish I could. It I makes wish, it makes I wish sense. come on the show again. It'd be cool <laughs> if she was like referenced in the movie, but it makes sense if we were three years away from seeing Ahsoka to reference this right. missing he Padawan. The project's gonna go yeah, through. Referencing mm-hmm. her in Revenge of the Sith is a bad move, so I understand why she's not mentioned. But yeah, because I got I got to admit something. I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast. I'm not the biggest Clone Wars fan in the world. I think not that a, a lot head. of it, I'm not a clone head. Clone Wars, there's a lot of great stuff in it, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of stuff that I can't deal with. Mm-hmm. I you gotta pick boring. and choose, yeah. There's a lot of arcs that I think are really great, but Ahsoka, to me, best thing to come out of that show. Yeah, best she's thing great. To like, she's one of my favorite Star Wars characters. And yeah. Her entire arc just feels iconic and important and essential, and I can't imagine like ever not having had it now. Like Now that I've seen the Ahsoka and Vader battle in Rebels, it seems crazy that that was never a thing that had happened before. Like, that's yeah. how good that character is. And it's hard to watch this now and not think about her impact when he's making these decisions. But at yeah. the time that it came out, you know, the audience wouldn't have known that this character existed. So to yeah. me, this movie has aged better because – but it's tough from an ethical point of view. Can you make excuses for this movie based on things that didn't – exist at the time nah yeah i don't think you can can. even if it was in 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 the works i think you have to judge it on the merit of what was out on what is in the film yeah i for whatever reason i think it's just the power of the mythology itself and just how you know powerful the imagery is and and the music is and the knowledge the pre-existing knowledge of the importance and significance of, of darth vader but this whole journey works for me i think if we should talk about I, I want to talk about this transition to Dark Side more. I want to talk about the killing younglings thing. Mm. Why does he do that? Yeah. <laughs> On the simplest level, I think it is like I've heard it said before. That was like the, uh, like the killing of his innocence. Like he, <laughs> like as the whoever the Padawan was, is like there are too many of them. The one who asked that kind of looks like him as a child almost, and so he's literally oh, like true. he's murdering his childhood. He's murdering his innocence. So yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing about the Sith that I honestly, I don't know that I picked up on it too much until the force awakens. How Kylo Ren constantly refers to, um, Ben in the past tense. Like he talks about it as he's a different person. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I mean, Kylo Ren's not a Sith, but he's a, he's, that's what he is. JJ <laughs> Abrams just didn't want to call him that. Cause he didn't like the prequels. And that's my hot take, but mm-hmm. I think that's what's happening. He does all the same stuff that a Sith does. The only difference is that his last name is Ren. He doesn't shoot lightning. Yet, guys, we'll talk about it later. Anyway, <laughs> so the thing, part of, you know, turning to the dark side is disassociating with your old self, it seems like. Like, that is not a person anymore. So it seems to me like part of this dark side thing is that Anakin, when you make this choice, it's almost like, you know, the making a deal with the devil kind of thing. Like, he's immediately, like, that is not me anymore. He is... That part of himself is dead, which Yoda says, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. he say what, what's his line? Consumed the by the dark side, your Padawan was consumed by Vader. Consumed by Vader. That's yeah. what I want to talk about. I have a thing about this movie that I don't like a, a lot. This is my least favorite part of the whole movie. Is it Yoda? No, mm. Yoda is my favorite. Okay, I know. I don't <laughs> like. I don't like Yoda in this movie. He's annoying. Riley has a lot what? of bad opinions coming out of his stupid <laughs> mouth right now. So. The thing that I don't like about this movie is the moment – in the moment where Anakin, like, 
falls before Palpatine and says, what have I done? I think that's one of the moments of acting that really works for Hayden Christensen. That moment is cool. But the fact that it's such a throwaway, your name will be Darth Vader for something. Go and do yeah, some Yeah, that stuff. waiting in the wings. I don't like that. <laughs> I feel like that should have had some significance. I wanted another, like, Darth Plagueis the Wise kind of thing where he's like, that was once, and he like he gives a legend of this formerly Darth Vader, and he's like, and so you're gonna take on his name or something I, like that. Yeah, I remember in once again going back to the novelization. Go read it, guys. Um, <laughs> Should we he, just stop talking about the movie? Or talk about <laughs> we'll let's just, just let's just read the book. Read the book out audience. loud, guys. Yeah, we talked about this. Riley likes the book. He doesn't like the movies. I don't like this movie. Oh, Please okay. be but specific. I remember he described it in the novelization as like. Palpatine was almost like communing with the dark side of the force, like in that pause. He's like, Darth. He's like, in that moment, <laughs> it was in the he ether was like, somewhere. yeah, he was like in the ether of the dark side. He was letting like trying to search the dark side to let it like speak to him. It's almost like the dark side itself gave Palpatine a name. And the dark, mm. the dark side was like, hey, bro, call him Vader. Yeah. And I remember that being like a creepy scene, too, in the movie, because it is, creepy. It is almost like the, the dark side is almost like swirling around that room because of the way Palpatine's speaking. The sound design that scene, guys, get off for a Whoa, second. Oh, baby. It's so good. His yeah. voice is crazy in this scene. It's like otherworldly. It's like coming out of a place that's not even his mouth. Like the like the way that they have the direction of the sound coming, and there's like it's like swirling, like you said. Like there's some kind of weird ethereal thing happening with his voice that I just love. It sounds so hoarse and yeah, and it's like evil. It's, it was like it's almost ceremonial, and that's the impression yeah. the novel gave. Like this was a ceremony. That's true. I just wish that it would have not been like, nah, it's Darth Tim, you know? Like, yeah, but the, I, I think the novel, like, it, it explained to me in a but sufficient But I want to talk about this movie and how it comes across in the movie in this moment. But I want to talk about the novel. <laughs> so is it implied that the dark side kind of is an entity almost? Like, yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, stay tuned for our Knights of the Old Republic 2 episode. It's going to be great. A little teaser for you. Dark side is the dark side is the is an entity. Okay, cool. See ya. That's I'm gone. But that's okay. We're not going to we have a fourth episode that we're going to do. <laughs> we won't go down that path. Um what big things haven't we talked about? What big mo- I mean, obviously like other than the Order very 66? end. 66. Order 66 is pretty big. It's pretty oh, Coon, I love him. I love Plo. It again. This is a scene that I think works way more for me now after watching yeah, the Clone Wars. Because when you see the all we've seen of these guys up until this point is sitting on their little poop chairs. They're just sitting on a toilet. And, and, and some verses. of them talk, but not even all of them talk. I don't. Even, I don't think you ever hear Plo Koon's voice Never. in the movies. Nope. So and but he's like, in, I think he's in one of the first Clone Wars episodes. He's pretty early on. He's oh, got yeah. a cool episode with mm-hmm. Ahsoka. He's so, a pretty, like, decently large character in that show. Yeah, and and so after watching the Clone Wars, this scene means a whole lot more than it did. It always... It works... It worked for me before I had ever seen the Clone Wars. It's just a well-constructed scene. And I, I think, like, the, the whole thing with these prequels, that uh, they are very different from the original trilogy because the original trilogy is very character focused it's very focused in on the adventures of you know luke and leia and han and chewie and these Mm -hmm. like these individuals and then there's there's this in the background there's this larger soap opera story that's happening these movies are almost entirely based on mythology 
and it's almost like you're watching a legend to me. Like when you're watching it, even the style of the dialogue and the fact that it's so kind of d- detached and, and generic is almost like reading when you read like an old Greek play or even like biblical dialogue that is not like a word for word actual recreation of what they maybe literally said in that moment, but it's just kind of like it's a it's almost like you're watching a legend, basically. And mm-hmm. it's a very different vibe. And I think that the heavy mythology vibe of this movie makes these moments work because you understand the impact on the mythology. Your connection with the characters isn't as strong, but there's a greater understanding of its larger consequences on mm-hmm. the future of these individuals that we care a lot about. Yeah, like it's the the reason the prequels exist in the first place. It, it is almost like the... The original trilogy is the story that we we care about and the characters that we care about and the the prequels were like they're kind of an explanation of like okay this is how we got here guys and so this is why that we're in the situation that we're in right now by the end of the by when the original trilogy starts and we're giving you that background but going back to order 66 what i do like in this is this is one of the few montages are there any more montages in star wars besides the order 66 montage oh i can't think of one at the top of my head there's that fan montage I wanted. Of, uh, <laughs> if there is, it's in the prequels, right? That's not an original. There, that wouldn't be. No. In, yeah. So, and I can't think of another. And one that of is the really in, the only montage there is is of when they show a montage of like the crowd of the cantina. George yeah. Lucas called that a montage, like in an interview. It's not. It's really, really a montage. weird. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's, I really like Order sixty six for that, and the 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 way the score is, and the way they uh, they did the. Like the in universe, the the uh, the the sound right there. Like I remember specifically on a uh, Magito. Oh, they like how they muffled. The yeah, they sound muffled effects. it, especially like yeah. like the uh, end of Rogue One a little bit. Yeah, like Kadi Mundi on Magito. How like you get like it's almost his voice is an echo, and like oh yeah, all the effects are are muffled. Murray specifically really liking that, and they kind of carry that on throughout the rest of the montage. That's a thing that, like, there's a lot of, like, film techniques in this movie that I, I don't think are used in any of the other movies, and that's definitely one of them, is that really somber montage where the, well, I guess it was then used in Rogue One, <laughs> which we just mentioned. But, yeah, that scene works really well. Um, Riley, do you have anything other, like, positive things to say about it? Because then I want to... I have a lot to say about the very end of this movie. One of my last notes is Ewan rules. I really like Ewan McGregor in Expound. this movie. I, I, the, a the lot ending, of substance in this yeah, podcast so far. No, the ending with, um, I think he plays the ending really well with Anakin after the fight. The fight, are we going to talk about the fight itself? Oh, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's, right. talk about the fight. let's talk about the fight. So, some people think this fight goes on for too long, yeah. which. I don't know if I agree with because yeah, I don't agree with it. Okay, I did. I'm I on. I'm, I'm alone again. Every time, I'm alone again. Yeah, it's too long. No, it's I, no. I I think that's probably a fair criticism. It, it doesn't bother me though. What? Here we go back to special features. But uh, within a minute is the documentary yep. for episode three, and there's also like some other like they they talk about this fight through many other points of the special features in Revenge of the Sith. But it was, it was so long of a fight. Because, like, they were explaining, especially, like, once again, like, Nick Dillard explaining it, George Lucas and everybody, that these two knew each other so well. They were basically, they, they, they knew what the other one was going to do. So, I mean, it would have taken forever for one to be able to best the other one. That's the thing is, like, you know, for as questionable as some of the, like, quickness of the, the his progression to the dark side goes, like, this final 
moment between Obi-Wan and Anakin, like, every time I watch the movie, it really gets to me. Like, it really... And the last time I watched Revenge of the Sith, I was so into this lightsaber fight in a way that I hadn't been before. Like, I just... It really clicked with me. Because mm-hmm. I always always thought it's a little bit of a bummer that it's, like, two blue lightsabers because it's kind of harsh in the eyes. And, you know, it's a little video gamey, But I ended up liking that like mm-hmm. i like the kind of larger than life once again the kind of like mythological scope of this battle which is just but it's you know it's like futile because they both know each other too well and neither one of them wants to finish off the other one mm-hmm. but i will say there's this moment uh early in this fight um it's where anakin has obi-wan pinned to the ground he's got his lightsaber like right up to his neck anakin's giving him a look i i think that that look Anakin's gone, like for sure. Like he was gonna kill Obi Wan, a hundred percent. I I take back what I said earlier. I think that Anakin totally would have killed Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. And uh, the very be- like before, like their their little like circular their little standoff at the beginning. That's I really love. Like after the fight is over, like Obi Wan yelling at Anakin, like you're my brother. But yeah. like what always got me emotionally, honestly, was like from Anakin you're breaking my heart all the way until like the the duel begins. I that I feel like that doesn't land for a lot of people. The Anakin you're breaking my heart a lot of people make fun oh, of that. Oh, I that like part. that a lot. But yeah, that that got me like that still gets me. That's another like really good Natalie Portman moment. I liked her a lot in Attack of the Clones and the dialogue that she gets is almost entirely kind of stilted romantic dialogue unfortunately until this moment where she gets some real like meaty acting to do. I think she does a great job. This whole scene where she's pleading with Anakin feels really real, and like mm-hmm. she just looks so like horrified and desperate, yeah. and it, it, that really works. And the thing that does not work is Hayden Christensen's yelling sounds a little silly. Don't ask me to do that. It's unfair. It's not fair. Liar! Jedi turned against me. You Don't you underestimate my me. power. Intoxicating. You thunder against me! You will not take her from me! You will not take her from me! Like, it's a mm-hmm. little... It's a little goofy. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. It's not the Jedi way. And I feel like it... I, it takes me like a, a little bit out of the movie every time <laughs> I hear him talk in that scene. Yeah, I can see that. Like even, like, even when he says, If you're not with me, you're my enemy! And, like, he says <laughs> enemy really weird. It's like... And then Ewan McGregor is over there just crushing it, and, you know, Natalie Portman's over there crushing it, and then you got Hayden Christensen singing his lines all weird, like a big <laughs> goober head. I'm well, just so mixed on him, because I think there's sometimes where he's very good, and then in this scene where it's really important that he be good, it's not. Yeah. Maybe that's just how he gets angry. Like, I maybe some people just... Well, th- that's like me. Like I, He's my, Canadian. Maybe he doesn't know how to get angry. Oh, that's, nice. that's not a bad theory. That's the best theory on Hayden remember, Christensen anyone's ever had. Remember in the office where uh, Pam told Jim, like, you're not good at yelling? Like, you can't yell at people? I thought about James Earl Jones. Anytime he has to even raise his voice a little bit, it sounds weird. Like, Ooh. You think? Yes. What about in like in New Hope in the very beginning? Find the I want those plans. I want them alive. No, that that part works. That's pretty good. That's good. I like that. Yeah. But there's a couple times in um in Rogue One and mm-hmm. in particularly Jedi where he has to like raise his voice a little bit and it sounds real weird. And to like when Darth Vader has to raise his voice is noticeably a little awkward <laughs> to me. Like James Earl Jones has a very specific manner of speaking. And I will say that Hayden Christensen does that. Like, he kind of 
strikes a tone that he kind of keeps. And I wonder if he was thinking of that in his performance. Like I, Maybe. Vader, really Vader is not doesn't have a real melodic voice. He's kind of keeps his voice well, right here. When we have Hayden on, we'll ask him. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll really get into the nitty gritty of his uh, James Earl Jones impression. But yeah, um, so this movie has some problems. Can I be super positive about no. this? No. All right, end the podcast. Um, the end uh, of this movie, by which I mean the um, the intercutting of Padme giving birth to Luke and Leia with the birth of Darth Vader getting his suit on is uh, maybe... Whoa. <laughs> oh. My heart just got stabbed in the heart. My heart had a heart in that. Like you're just liking this movie to spite my face. My goodness. No, no, no. <laughs> because what I was about to say is it's, I think, my favorite part of all of Star Wars. Like, that moment... That entire scene and the way it's constructed and the Ooh. way it's intercut is brilliant. I think it's fantastic. No. It's so meaningful and like emotionally powerful. And I don't give a rat's face about what anybody says about the dying of a broken heart. I buy it in that moment. I feel like if you just saw your husband, he just tried to choke you to death and you know he just killed a bunch of kids and then he just tried to kill Obi-Wan... And he's like a crazy murderer person, and you're already severely injured. Then, and also, I buy forget it. all that stuff. Forget all that stuff. I buy it from like a bad forget. garbage person, but she just gave her the two kids. Forget all that stuff. I like it from just a cheesy macro mythological view of Star Wars of a person dying from a broken heart that feels appropriate in a greek myth to me yeah it yeah. feels very you know like i do feel like a lot of that criticism does come from people wanting this to be very contemporary and very real life like which medically accurate yes now okay i think the very valid criticism is that a new mother would not give up yeah the will to live uh i think that's totally valid yeah but here's the thing that i think i think that uh that robot didn't know what it was talking about. <laughs> was it the force? I don't know. Here's the thing. Are you saying Here's it's the Palpatine thing. killing her? In this moment of her giving birth, where she was almost choked to death, and she knows that her husband killed a bunch of kids, and she's weak, and she's in terrible pain, I think a person could lose the will to live in that moment. That I feel for that, and this feeling of just like wanting to give up. I don't know. I it doesn't not work for me. I think it works. That's what the opposite of not work is. Yeah. And also, I guess we don't know either what exact what kind of like windpipe damage that she received or he cut off oxygen <laughs> to, to her brain. Yeah. So yeah, this is I feel I like I don't it's, care about that. I care about the how it works in the moment and I yeah. I have to say it does work for me. I don't yeah, it it works for me too and it I feel like it's easily reconcilable like Yes, Padme was a very strong character, but it's once again, it's it's we're talking about mythology here, and it's. I think a strong. This isn't a Greek mythology, though. It's a it's a I think Star it Wars story. I think, but I think that's what the prequels are trying to be. It's just trying to be a Greek tragedy, and I think that that's the kind of thing that would happen. You know what I mean? Like mm. I. I think we've gotten a lot better at storytelling over the last three thousand years. It's true, but I. We don't need to keep going back to that well. I like it, though. I mm. like 
I like this moment. I think that um, basically the intercutting of this scene and the symbolism of it is pretty sweet. Yeah. Get, this reminded me, you said favorite sing. I completely forgot, and we are going way back. But <laughs> oh no, my favorite sing in all of Star Wars oh. is the rumination scene right oh. before Anakin goes off to Palpatine's office. The It is no dialogue. It is just like a synthesizer and a woman screaming. That's the score. <laughs> it is John so... John Williams really phoned it in that day. <laughs> Honestly, that's... I hired two musicians. That scene like just chills me to the core. Like I love it so much. And the fact yeah. that it's twi- like once like camera work, lighting, every every single movie making element just like comes together for There's a musical in the middle of it? Yes. Yes. And they they they're just yeah I love it. I I I I'm speechless talking about it because it's it is it's like the 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 balance on which like the entire saga hangs because this is like Anakin's final opportunity to not do what he's about to do. Yeah. I, I feel like once he gets in that ship, I think he pretty much knows what he's going to do. Yeah, I think that's what that whole scene is portraying is he's like thinking and he's like, I have two choices. And in that moment where they zoom in on him crying, it's like he knows the choice he's going to make. And yeah. that, to me, like that's the moment where he's he's made a decision. And for all the what have I done garbage later, he knew exactly what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He had made that decision on that parapet that he's yeah, standing on there, there's just so much at, at work there and it is my favorite scene in, in, in Star Wars that's a big claim I don't think that the, I I shouldn't have said that the end of this movie is my favorite in all of Star Wars but, no, I but you did say but it I did say on it, record and I think you're going to edit probably no. this part of me saying it's not <laughs> yeah. no it's just it, but it's up there for me like in terms of powerful Star Wars moments once again I when it comes to imagery that's what I'm in for for these prequels and that's what it does really well for me yeah. it's funny i feel like we like those like. two different scenes for this for the same reason yeah okay let's figure this out he takes luke leia's adoption is really neat i like that a lot and it makes sense but uh luke goes to to poor luke Ween. And uh, Leia grows up like real rich, powerful, privileged. And then what, Luke, what was the deal? Luke grows up on a farm. What was the deal of separating them? Or no, what was no, the deal separating of what I'm like about? the so, the conscious decision to make one grow. Of course, do we get the? I feel like like moisture farming is a pretty lucrative business on Tatooine, at least enough to. Oh well, live that's not what I was thinking of. It's like, why would he force a person to be a farmer? How terrible! Farmers like what they do. I don't think that's what I was saying. Luke didn't. Well, he, they could have known that when he was a baby. Maybe that would have been his favorite thing. The What I'm saying is, for a long time I was like, hey, why would they take him to the place where Anakin definitely is from? Mm-hmm. But I think that's, when I think about it, kind of the genius of it, because he wouldn't ever go back there. Because that is all 100% reminders of Anakin Skywalker. If he mm-hmm. goes on Tatooine, that's, you know, the whole deal of being a Sith is you're constantly suppressing your other true self. So I think Mm -hmm. that there's a certain wisdom in that that I I kind of enjoy. Do they say why they have to separate them? They... What do they say? Why don't they send them both? It was to like I feel like they do Vader, say something. Vader about and Palpatine it. would be able to feel them in the Force if they were together. Like their mm. Force beacon. Out. I don't know. 
You know, like their Wi-Fi signal would be too great <laughs> if they were put in the same location. <laughs> I hate it when my Wi-Fi signal's too good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, everyone hates that. But no, I think you're right. I think it's a thing where their presence will be felt, and I think it's just for safety. Like I, I think that they knew that the Skywalker bloodline was significant. They, they knew that they were wrong about the prophecy of the Force, but they knew that this there Skywalker might be a chosen person, one somewhere right. in the Skywalker line, and if it's you know, separate them to so that they both have you know equal chance of surviving. If one of them dies, the bloodline might live on. The thing that we did skip over is your favorite stuff, which is Yoda with a lightsaber. <laughs> I really was hoping that no one would notice we didn't talk about that. <laughs> I thought of it, and uh, I talking like the visual symbolism. The f- fight between those two is silly. Like it's a little silly how it's done. It's fine. Like it's cheesy in a way that I enjoy. What I like a lot, going back, I don't think I've mentioned this, but I like visual symbolism in Star Wars. I like that they are fighting in the Senate room, destroying the oh, Senate yeah. room. The symbolism of that is great. Oh, yeah. These if it two, had just been that. The two old guards of the Jedi and the Sith in the Senate room, destroying it, trying to fight each other. That's take the stuff. Take the lightsabers out, and I'm okay with that scene. Those two, not... those two don't need lightsabers yeah. to fight each other. They don't even do anything with the lightsabers. They don't really. They, I, they don't like need them. I always, once, the way that fight is directed, you can tell that Sidious is trying his best to not use lightsabers. It's almost like Sidious knows that Yoda might have a slight advantage if they're just using lightsabers. Yeah. It's, uh... I, I did want to mention that because it's it's pretty cool. And then you have this last shot. I, I, is your heart that made of stone, Riley? Mm-hmm. That you feel nothing during the last montage, which in which we hear Leia's theme, mm-hmm. so beautiful. And then we see Owen and and, and Beru holding baby Luke, looking at this like incredibly picturesque sunset. Yeah, I remember episode four. You you don't you don't feel anything when you see that scene. I I cried when I saw that scene the first time. Yeah, you yeah. did. You big I did. baby. I did. I'm, <laughs> big, I'm a big baby. But you know, actually, you know when I cried is the the music swells and then it's it goes right into the credits and that's when I cried when the credits theme comes in. Yeah, that's when I cried. The but force theme going into the credits theme is pretty good. Yeah, that's that. But yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, it's fine. Wow. Fine. I. Yeah, I remember the first time seeing that, like, thinking, like, well, even for a while there, you, you would watch episode three and, like, well, this is how Star Wars ends. There was just, like, a, right, a, sa- that was it. a sadness added to the Force theme there. And that's that, that's what got me more maybe than the scene itself was, like, well, this is this is it, guys. And especially when, when, when Obi-Wan comes up on that EOP and is holding Luke. <laughs> Old EOP. There is just something so, like, so sad about that because that's when the Force theme starts. Like, it starts yeah. out so delicately that... So I'll talk about it right now. I, I, yeah. Sorry, I thought you weren't. I thought you were done. No, I'm. I'm He's I'm, crying. I'm good. I I'm just, just thinking about emotions. I'm just thinking about Revenge of the Sith. Revenge. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. So we've talked about Ravage of the Sith and the prequel trilogy. We prequel. all like it. We can all agree. Next up, trilogy. Knights of the Old Republic two. No, no. it's Rogue One. Ragon. But you know what else is going to happen is we're going to start doing some Banus episodes. We're going to start Banu- doing some Banus. But what's happening now is this is the first time that we're recording where our podcast is actually live on iTunes. So, oh right, yeah. it's a little 
weird for us, mm-hmm. and we're self-conscious about it because we know it's not. Maybe you are. Uh, well, I'm a self-conscious person. Uh, I'd walk around naked right now if you guys didn't make me put clothes on all the time. <laughs> I wasn't self-conscious until you guys made fun of me for every opinion I had about this movie. Whatever. We made- we're gatekeepers. That's what we are. <laughs> That's right. We we only want true fans who love every unquestionable <laughs> aspect of Star Wars. And please stick with us because we're excited to uh, get past the movies. Although we enjoy talking about the movies, mm-hmm. we're also excited to get past them oh, too. Oh, yes. Because like, my... This. Our idea in the first place for doing these movie discussions was really just kind of like to find our voice. But it was it was almost like we, we, we need to put reps in because we aren't professional podcasters by any means. We need to get used to this. We need to find our voice. We need to find like what kind of format we want to do going forward. And I mean, everyone like for me personally, I actually always lo- like it when Star Wars podcasts will go through the movies and have discussions on those because I like to yeah. see what all the different podcasts I listen to, what they think of the movies where they're coming from, because it is a nice reference point for when they talk about the movies going forward. That was my thinking, too. That's that's why I wanted to do it. And now I think what, what's happening is we're, we're talking about it, and we realize that we want to get into these deeper subjects. Mm. But it would be better to, to save them. So what we are going to do, we should I think we should warn people about this now. Uh, we're going to do Rogue One, because it's new and it's fresh, and there's still a lot to talk about and, it's, mm-hmm. you know, and to dissect. The original trilogy uh, has been talked about to death for... Um, I, how many years? Ten years or so? Four hundred? Fourteen years? Twenty-nine and a half? I think it's been twenty-nine and a half years since they came out. And so there's not a lot of discussion to add about the original trilogy. Other than... They're very good. They're good. Yeah. We like every part of them. So, well, that might be true. But well, except for the trench run. We, we have to talk about that elephant. Because... What Isaac, is Isaac doing? Isaac has problems with his life that we're going to sort out. In this <laughs> we're going to figure this out. Thing. We're going to get into a psychological discussion of where he was as a child. Where did the bad trench run touch him when he was a child? <gasps> wow. But, <laughs> but we are, oh we are going to have an original trilogy episode. Yes. We're just going to do all three of them. Exactly. That's what I was getting to is we're just going to do all three OT movies in one. That way we don't we're have to do the We're not going to do the plots the like we've been doing with the other ones. No, we're just going to talk about them. What else is to be gleaned? Right. We like Everybody them. has seen them. So as long as them. you guys know where we're coming from. We well, yeah we really have nothing new to add and that's what I I just thought it was important because we spent well, we a might lot have of time, a few things to add yeah we we've talked a lot about the prequels because there's still people don't delve too deep into them there's a mm. surface level discussion that happens on the internet that's just you know kind of memes of like you mentioned earlier Isaac like there's a shorthand like Jar Jar romance and it's people don't delve into it too much so it's interesting to talk about is that interesting to talk about the original trilogy. Because it's all been said. I don't want to spend two hours talking about A New Hope. Yeah, it's very good. We all know how we feel about it's it. It's very good. Yeah. So, but we are going to do TFA, Until we though. get to the Death Star. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we have stuff to say about Rogue One and TFA. The new ones are more, you know, there's just less. The Tifa. <laughs> there's more stuff that hasn't been said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Old Tifa we're going to talk about. And, uh, and then after that. And after that, we're gonna probably stop. We're gonna do a Twitter poll. If you want to hear Knights of the Old Republic two after that, please. I vote. will fix that poll so hard, <laughs> guys. It's you gonna be so never. good. We no, we'll do it. We'll, we're gonna talk we'll about. Apparently, apparently, only likes one thing about Star Wars. It's this video game. It is my favorite thing. So about we're gonna Star Wars, for we're gonna sure. do it. I'm not gonna lie, guys. Like I'm, I'm going to at some point. Like I'm gonna go on YouTube and like just watch like a, a watch play. Of it, yeah. yeah. I think I might do the same I, thing because I don't okay. want to play. Yeah, it necessarily. Let's watch one of those. Yeah. I can't stand the thought of doing it. And also, also oh, no. just like one more little thing, like, um, just kind of getting this podcast off the ground. Like, I 
at some point I'll like I'll 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 name them off, but it's been really cool so far, honestly. Like just been reaching out to all the different Star Wars podcasts. And largely everyone I've reached out to has gotten back to me and had really nice things to say. And they've had encouraging things to say and they've offered their help for any any point in the future to help out. And it's it's been all the ones like it's they're all good guys. I mean, so if you're gonna get into this, even if you want to interact with these guys, believe me, like I was never maybe inclined to do that much before, but they're they're all really cool, honestly. I haven't had a single bad interaction yet. So But in the are, future we're gonna we're gonna get past specific media that's come out. We're going to talk about Rebels, I'm sure. We're going to talk about Clone Wars. We're going to do all those things. Yeah, but, but I think we, but I eventually we're, that right away. I no, want to talk about Eventually, concepts. we're going to get on to, yes, just talking about Star Wars in general. The wars. And other, <laughs> the wars. And other stuff, too, because I don't like staying on the same subject too long because that's not how my mind works. Mm. And well, that, There's medication for that. Nah, I don't think science has come that far. But <laughs> if you would like to rate us and review our podcast on iTunes. We would love that so much, yeah. guys. We would love it if the review was good. And <laughs> Even, I gotta, I gotta say, it, write your bad review. Write five stars. Click the five stars. And subscribe. You don't even have to listen to our podcast, guys. Can we end this one? Are we yeah. done? Hey, by the way, I'm so have, glad to be done with the prequels. Do we have to? Oh, I, you had to end it that way, Riley. Good bombing. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> We could do the outro, but I don't know. No, I'm doing okay. This has been Grand Moff talking. Delicately curated, long form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars franchise brought to you lovingly in weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your hosts, Riley, me, Jake. That's me. And Isaac. PlayStation. Hey, see you guys next time. Seacrest out. (laughs) (laughs) You memorized it. Good for you. All right. It's going to be awful. He messed up before he started talking. It's because I was just thinking of it's going to be awful. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) That's sorrowful. The fact that it will inevitably be bad. Episode. We're gonna no in this episode. What we did? We should have talked about this right up front. Who's in this movie? I, Our I, patron saint of this podcast. Oh yeah, little Grand Moff Tarkin. Oh, <laughs> crazy did. burn victim Grand Moff Tarkin. I in honestly this movie. kind of forgot Scorpio. what the name of this podcast was. He looks <laughs> insane.